to another installment of Talk More Talk. This is our bi-weekly All Things Go Solo talk show where we and my three co-hosts talk everything solo Beatles and occasionally we'll talk Beatles as well. However, tonight we're going to have a fun show. We're going to do something we haven't done tonight. It's going to be like a, we're going to rack our brains, everybody, or we're going to, not going to rack Ringo's brains, but we're going to rack our brains. And um, we're going to do like a little lightning round questions, you know, opinionated questions, you know, what's this, what's better, you know, who did it better, stuff like that. So, but first let me introduce uh, myself and my three co-hosts. I'm Tom Hunyadi, and you may know me from my other show, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, where me and my co-host Annie Nichols talk all things solo McCartney. And with me, as always, is the Queen, Kittle Tool. How are we doing, Queen? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. And as we all know, the Queen is the author of this boy right here, Songs We Were Singing, as well as the Michael Jackson FAQ books. So if you haven't checked those out, please do. And we have our YouTuber, over here, mean Mr. Mayo. Joe, how we doing? Doing well, thank you, Tom. And it's not always easy to come up with topics, but this one I think is very, especially difficult, coming up with something you guys would enjoy more than TV. So <laughs> uh, very nice. 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 Well, Joe, as you know, has a YouTube channel called Mean Mr. Mayo, where he does, you know, reviews of, 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 of you know, albums when they come out, he'll do top 10 lists, he'll do top 20 lists, you know, whatever he feels like doing, he go, goes to his record show or his record store, talks all things records and um, movies and, and TV shows. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful guy that just has a lot of great video content for you to check out. So that's me, Mr. Mayo. So check that out and subscribe to his channel. And he just passed, what, 9,000 uh, not too long ago? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, congratulations. Wow. Great congratulations. job. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah. And uh, <laughs> as we always say, last but not least, is the one and only Ken Michaels. Ken, what's going on? Not much. Really excited about this particular show. Yeah, this, this is going to be us. fun. Yeah, this yeah. is different. This is yeah, going to be, be fun. fun. As everybody knows, Ken Michaels is the host of a wonderful show called Every Little Thing, where he does that. He plays Every Little Thing, and it's an amazing show. So the live one is on a little bit of a hiatus, which he'll talk about later, but his syndicated one is still going strong. And he's also the co-host. I caught Devil in the, the Deep Blue and the Deep Blue Sea. Excuse me, <laughs> on, on his, at his show. 
the end oh, of the good. show, I happened to I <laughs> turn it on. I was, and I got the uh, That's see. funny. And you also co-host the show with Alan Coase and Darren DeVivo called Things We Said Today, which uh, is a show I discovered way back in 2012 and still listening today. It's still great and still got so many great guests on the show. Um, and it's, 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 it's amazing. You guys are still doing a great job. So Thank you know, you. all the best to you guys and, and continue with uh, success with that. So as I said earlier, we're going to do a thing called, we're going to just rack our brains. We're just going to throw out lightning round questions and we're going to try to answer as quickly as possible. You know, they might not be our, our the best. <laughs> Who knows? We just don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> so uh, I'm really, really excited are. about this. Yeah. Yeah, no we're one, winging no, it. Yeah, we are definitely winging it. Um, none of us revealed what the questions we're gonna we're going to say to each other, and then also uh, you as listeners, you have an opportunity to ask questions as well for us. So um, you know, think of some questions, and um, if you're lucky, Kit, Kit might uh, shout out your question, and uh, we'll give it a go. We'll see. But first, as always, we've got Ken Michaels with the news, and Ken, take it away. All right. Thank you, Tom. I like uh, how you said uh, you discovered things we said today way back in 2012. <laughs> we, we may have some fans that followed the Beatles in the 60s, you know. <laughs> oh, those were the good they're, old days. You're feeling like yeah. men right now. Okay. <laughs> way back. All right. So first of all, the biggest news item of the last couple of weeks, of course, Ringo is celebrating his 80th birthday and he had a one hour special which aired on his YouTube channel. And I must say, I was thoroughly impressed with this show. It was very well produced, a mixture of uh, pre-tape performances from people like Sheryl Crow, who I think did a really uh, nice job on All You Need Is Love. Played all the instruments, by the way, except for his father, uh, her father who played the horn. Um, a new video for Give More Love, not entirely new. It's really the old video with uh, one of his all-star bands at the time with uh, new superimpositions of other, of other artists singing lines from it. Um, there was a retrospective video for Photograph. And of course, uh, there was the performance with Paul and Ringo for Helter Skelter from Dodger Stadium yep. last year. And birthday messages, lots of really nice stuff throughout the entire show. Your thoughts, guys? Let's, let's uh, first talk to Tom about it. What do you thought? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, like I said, it was a lot of fun and I uh, had a great time watching it. Um, the biggest surprise for me was the performance with uh, Ben Harper and Dave Grohl doing Down and Out. Yeah. You know, that was just, uh, a it was really a great moment. You know, really a big surprise, wasn't expecting it. And um, it was just a good time. And I, what, I went into it not really expecting a lot. I mean, there was a lot of surprises. All of those birthday greetings from friends and families, those were nice. And a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of fun. But there was the performances that really, um, you know, meant a lot to me. And then just seeing Ringo, you know, in a good mood and, and hanging out with Joe Walsh. Those were, those were the best parts for me, for sure. Yeah, Ringo, by the way, was at his own home, yep. in his own studio at the drum kit. And yep. Joe Walsh joined him for part of it, which was nice. Uh, Joe, how about you? What'd you think? Uh, I very much liked Cheryl Crow doing All You Need Is Love. I'm a fan of Cheryl Crow. I like mm. Sheila E. Yeah. She looked great. It sounded mm -hmm. great. And Ringo was on the drums for that segment. We did come together. Great. And uh, that was terrific. Overall, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, I would say that I was a little disappointed. We knew in advance that Paul probably wasn't going to be there doing anything new. 
it was going to be something older. Uh, but I, the first time I had seen the Helter Skelter uh, duet, if you will, with Ringo on the drums uh, in L.A., that was such a such a treat, a, a real high point in Beatles mm. history of seeing Ringo for the first time probably since 1968 on the drums for Helter Skelter. I, I just, it, it was anticlimactic for me a little bit because I'd already seen it, but I'm glad there was something with Paul there. I was kind of surprised that Paul, uh, they didn't record any kind of just be a happy birthday, man, or something like that, you know. Mm. Yeah. That's the small thing, you know. We don't know surprised. if he did or not. We don't, I mean, I, I did see Bill King posted that it was reported that he did send something, but it was more personal, and they, they chose not to oh. uh, air it. So, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I don't think Paul McCartney's involvement should have been the make or break for this show at all. Just oh, well, no. I, I, you know, I, I like Ringo regardless. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. I see him and Paul's not even there yeah. when I go to right. see him. It's like we say on this show, they all stand on their own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kid, how about you? I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I think uh, from the first shot, I, I was smiling and, and never stopped. I thought it was just a lot of fun um and even though it was certainly slickly produced it it still had kind of a homespun quality to it i mean mm. you were as you said ken you're you're in ringo's house uh ringo was such a kind of an amiable host i mean he was a he was a great mc right. um and you know he really and and these were all of his friends i mean not just great musicians but you know friends and family they all had genuine affection for Ringo I mean you could definitely tell that uh the performances uh, yeah definitely Cheryl Crow and Sheila E were were my top favorites um Sheila E sounded great love that kind of psych rock funk she brought to come together and yeah sure. how great was Cheryl Crow I had no idea she played that many instruments um I mean what a what an incredible performance and that and her and her father to, to, um, yeah. yeah, was the icing on the cake. So, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. And, uh, and I just uh, thought, and particularly, I don't think this, I think the special was kind of thrown together, it, it, so to speak, in, at the last minute. I mean, I don't think, uh, as from what I understand, I mean, they really had planned this that far in advance. So, I mean, to put it together that quickly and have it be that good, yeah, it's very impressive. So uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I get I get the same feeling that Ringo didn't know he was going to do this till maybe you know a month or so before his birthday. He had already known that his tour was canceled. What are you going to do? It's his 80th birthday. He wants to celebrate. Right. He wants to give something back to the fans. This was a nice way of doing it. And for me, I, I get very impressed with you know all the friends that he has in this show that you might think, well, he worked with them in the All-Stars for a couple of years and maybe they just drifted off and didn't stay in contact. But you know, you got people in there like Nils Lofgren. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who was there from the first tour. Peter Frampton, who obviously goes way back with Ringo. Um, you know, people like that. It really impresses me. I loved seeing the family members, you oh, know, yeah. especially the grandkids. Oh, and the they great were so grandkids. cute. You know, yeah, it just makes you realize Ringo has a full life you know, mm -hmm. beyond just the music career. He has a family and he'd be with his family and many of those people if we didn't have the coronavirus going on right now. Yeah. But uh, it really was extremely well done. Plus, he also mixed in the four charities that he was promoting. 
throughout this whole thing. So all for really good causes. I, I was just very impressed with the whole thing. By the way, there's a video that Peter Frampton made of It Don't Come Easy, which is on YouTube, which didn't make this special, which I wish it did. It's pretty good because he plays the acoustic guitar and the electric guitar. It's pretty good. It's, he sounds really good. Obviously, his guitar playing is just great. But uh, you should check that out, too. So okay. very yeah, pleased was, overall. Yeah, yeah. during that Give was it uh, Give More Love uh, video um, that he was showing, I, I was really surprised to see people like Kenny Loggins yeah. in there, you know, Michael, Michael McDonald. McDonald. Yeah, McDonald, yeah. McDonald. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just a lot of people that you just wouldn't expect to see. I mean, you know he's got a lot of friends, but, you know. Always, wow. always yeah. with a little help from his friends. Yes. <laughs> Jackson <laughs> Brown was in it. Yeah, yeah, there you go too. Yeah, yep. Willie yeah. Nelson. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Everybody. Well, Willie, Willie worked with uh, mm -hmm. with Ringo. Yep. Right one for me. That's right. Um, also, prior to the special, there were birthday wishes sent to Ringo online. There was one from Paul. Paul said, "Happy birthday, Sir Richard, alias Ringo. Have a great day, my longtime buddy, Paul." This one got a lot of attention. Pete Best yes. sent the message. Yeah. You all heard oh, about that. Who was that? Yeah. He said, thought about it and thought, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Yet another not reference. the album. Not the letter one. <laughs> that would have been a good, good That would have been funny if he did that. That would have been funny. Ringo would have responded to him if he did that, probably. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he said, why not? Happy birthday, Ringo. It's a special one. Have a good day. Yoko Ono said, happy, happy birthday, Ringo. Lots of peace and love, Yoko. Um, actually, I just want to read this quick one from Roger Hodgson. Here's someone who was in the All-Stars one time, and yet he sent the message. Thank you, Ringo, for holding the symbol, the reminder, uh, the hope for love and peace. Thank you for being such a beautiful soul that blesses this planet, that blesses all of us. I'm so grateful for the inspiration you and the Beatles gave me on my musical path, my spiritual path, Love you, brother, Roger. Really nice. Did, nice. Do we know if Ringo responded to Pete Best with Bye. that message? We would have heard about that. Yeah, we would have. <laughs> yeah. On social media, if anything happened, unless he did it privately. Yeah. Okay, other news here. The band Ruby Horse, who uh, formed in 1988 and originally hailed from Ireland, they then moved to Boston, Massachusetts in 1999, released several albums, and since then remained active until 2005, and just recently reunited with, with their original lineup in 17 years. Well, this group had George Harrison contribute guitar work for one of their songs called Punch Drunk back in 1999, and on July 3rd, the group have released a new version of this song called Punch Drunk 2020, and they kept George's guitar work in the song. They also made a new video for it, which is on YouTube. It's very well done. Have you guys seen this? Mm -mm. No. Didn't hear about it. Never, yeah, well, this is news to me. Yeah, you've got all the band members, it's like a Zoom video. They're all, all right. separated, all the band members. And in the bottom right-hand corner, you have a reel-to-reel -reel machine going, moving, and uh, you have WAV files on top of that. Every time George's guitar work is in the song, you see wave files popping up and down. Oh, so that's cool, how they represent cool. George in the video, which I thought was a really nice touch. What was the name of the band? Uh, Ruby Horse. Ruby Horse. Ruby Horse. So they're back out. together, at least for this song. 
Check it out on YouTube. Punch Drunk 2020. Punch Sounds like a three stupid short punch drunks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where they got it from. <laughs> Speaking of George, over this weekend, New York's public television station, WNET, ran the documentary An Accidental Studio, which tells the story of George Harrison's handmade films company. It ran through all the success stories like Life of Brian, Time Bandits, The Long Good Friday, A Private Function uh, with Nail and I, which really has sort of become a cult classic, mm -hmm. Mona Lisa, and yep. the failures like Shanghai Surprise. Really went into how the film company started, George's attitude towards the film industry and his company, also his business partner, Dennis O'Brien who really wanted to take the company further. You get the impression if you've seen this, that with George, he really wanted to just put out some really good quality films that he was pleased with. He said he wanted to have comedies and also yeah. films that gave you hope. And um, so he would have been happy if he just had some films that were really good films that made some money. But Dennis O'Brien, his business partner, wanted to go far beyond that with it. And as a result, there were a lot of films that maybe weren't all that good and lost a lot of money. Right. And after about 10 years or so, in which they made 23 films, it's a lot of films. I didn't know there were so many when I saw it. Yeah, that's yeah. more than I thought. So after all those years, George was getting really tired of it. And yeah, just yeah. Um, the heartbreak and just not knowing from film to film how each one's going to do if you're going to break even money-wise or lose money or make money. So it lasted for something like, like I said, 10 years. Yeah. But um, he made his mark, George Harrison, being sure you know, an executive yeah. film producer um, you know, in, in England with this film company at a time when, as they said in the beginning of, of this documentary, the film, film industry was really suffering and, and people in England in particular were going to films less mm. in the theaters. But um, this documentary is coming out on, it's, I said before Blu-ray, but it's also yeah. DVD and HD digital. And sure. it's coming out uh, July 28th. By the way, starting next Monday, I'm giving away copies on my website. Yeah, all right. <laughs> KenMichaelsRadio.com. Okay, um, just the Blu-ray, by the way. So, Great, um, better yet. Yeah. It is, like, yeah. just real quick, it is just, you know, it is, it's hard when, to get in business with another person when you're not on the same page and one person's more ambitious than the other one, you know, things get done behind people's back and it can turn ugly and it's unfortunate. And I, I really can't wait to see this documentary when I get it in the mail and, uh, you know, it's going to be great. And, well, one, uh, one thing <laughs> I learned from it is I, I didn't realize that they had re done relatively well overall. Mm -hmm. I, I thought it was a, pretty much a flop went through but after watching that uh like the long good friday was uh, a big success uh and uh some other films that uh, with nail and i which i remember george talking about mm -hmm. you know when he uh, was on tv but yeah i i don't know i just kept thinking of uh oh they kept having problems and everything and uh time bandits is one i remember seeing in the theater i was there too or twice good stuff <laughs> There are certain films that I went to, to the theater, just because I knew there'd be a song from one of the Beatles. Like in this <laughs> case, I, I, yeah. you know, you had Dream I, Away. Time Bandits. Right. Dream Away, and yeah. the Time Bandits, you know. And I like I the, I the sound of that better even than on the Grand Trapo album. Uh, 
that really were, yeah it's a different uh it's a different mix or take uh something on you had sound effects at the very beginning those explosions right. yeah know. and they had quite a number of of critically acclaimed films i mean right. they may not have been box office smashes but yeah. like, i i saw private function because that was you know, a, a very cr critically acclaimed um, uh, comedy, and it was very good. And and we had, you know, Maggie yeah. Smith. I mean, yep. uh, Michael Palin. Uh, you know, I mean, they got and and uh, Mona Lisa. I mean, Mona Lisa's great. Long Good was, Friday is great. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think Mona Lisa was nominated for Oscars. Also, they yeah, had yeah. some really, you know, I, I, I had forgotten films. that Sean Connery was in the uh, Time Time Bandits. Yes. Yeah. Tommy, a small John Cleese too. Bandits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they, they pretty much said that if a member of Monty Python was in the film, George goes for it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't seem Python. comfortable. He didn't seem very comfortable overall doing in the business, really, especially with Shanghai Surprise. Where oh, he kind of got yeah. into well, that. that got so much attention. Sure did. Shanghai Surprise and how difficult it was to work with Madonna and Sean Penn. Yeah. You know, that tends to overshadow everything else. You know, I still don't think the movie was all that great, but it has some moments, especially George in it. <laughs> you know, some good songs. The hottest gong in, yep. in town in particular. That was pretty cool. Yep. Cool. All, all right. right. Now, um, also, I should say that uh, this documentary aired in New York City over the weekend. I have no idea in the rest of the country if it's going to air. If it does, you got to check your local PBS channels. They may just be showing it. I also don't know if this is an edited version of what will come out on the okay. DVD and Blu-ray. So, and also um, I want to mention, and I wish I had found out about this earlier, but you know, in, in the two weeks between our last show, you find that new information. I put it on Facebook, but um, Ringo Starr appears in a new documentary on the career of Mae West. Oh. And it's yeah. on demand through PBS on their website but they say it'll expire tomorrow, okay? And um, Ringo appeared in May's last uh, final film, right. uh, the last film, Sextet, which is uh, why uh, he's in this documentary, okay? So you can check pbs.org. Hopefully it'll stay tomorrow and you can watch it. So uh, yeah, this uh, documentary on May West. Also, a new biopic on Beatles manager Brian Epstein is in the works to be called Midas Man. Director Jonas Ackerlung is involved in this, known for working with Paul on the Live Kisses special. Also worked with Madonna for the Grammy Award winning Ray of Light and also the Confessions Tour. Uh, also working with Lady Gaga. Ackerlund said, Brian Epstein's story has everything I'm looking for in a story. It's all about Brian's singularity for me. I love that Brian seemed to know every step of the way what no one else knew. He saw things that no one else saw. His vision was astonishing. He created a culture that didn't exist. The film is more like touring Brian's mind and what it was like to be him than how one thing led to another chronologically. Fairly interesting. He says, I want to bring him back to life. <laughs> Yes, thank you, Joe. <laughs> That's all you really got to know. It's just the trousers. Um, casting has begun for the movie, which is expected out in 2021. Awesome. Uh, yeah, this is something that I bet many of you didn't know about. A brand new tribute album 
to the late Mark Bolin is mm. due out September 4th. It's called Angel Headed Hipster. It's been curated by the late producer Hal Wilner, who died from COVID-19 in April. And it will feature recordings from both Julian and Sean Lennon. It is supposed to mark the first time that both brothers will be on the same album, although not together. It also includes recordings from Elton John, Mark Almond, uh, Nick Cave, Todd Rundgren, Joan Jett, and Peaches. No it's Ringo? A combination. No Ringo. <laughs> um, it's a combination of both T-Rex and solo Mark Boland songs, and Hal Wilner wanted to do this project because he felt that Mark Boland has never been given credit as a songwriter more a great rocker who was innovative and where David Bowie took his essence. Okay. Hmm. Sean Lennon with Charlotte uh, Camp Mule covers Mambo's Son on the album. Julian Lennon with Victoria Williams does Pilgrim's Tale. And actually Elton John and U2 have recorded Bang a Gong. That mm. I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. The new August issue of Uncut Magazine is out with the Beatles on the front cover and an article on the new Peter Jackson film, Forget Back. Interesting, this came out before it was delayed, but it's out there if you want to read it. We also note the, uh, the passing of country legend Charlie Daniels at the age of 83 back on July the 6th. He suffered a stroke, was best known for his hits, The Devil Went Down to Georgia and Uneasy Rider. But for Beatle fans, we know that he participated in Ringo's country album, Bukuza Blues. So when you think yes. about the violin, even though they don't give you the credits right. on the album for each song, I'm thinking Fastest Growing Heartache in the West, he probably played on. Hmm. Probably that. And uh, also Nashville Jam, which yeah. was a bonus track on the CD when it came out. Very sad to hear about that with Charlie Daniels. Um, this is something really interesting. Singer-songwriter Stephen Bishop, best known for songs like On and On, It Might Be You from Tootsie, and the theme to Animal House, um, <laughs> has a new autobiography coming out called On and Off. In it, he reveals a letter that he got from Apple Records dated August 1st, 1969, in which he was turned down by the Beatles record label. Stephen submitted a tape with two songs he had written that year, and Apple's letter said that they found the songs unsuitable for their catalog. Stephen remembered the songs called Picture Her As, dot, 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 and Lump In Your Pants. Stephen says the phrase has a different meaning than what it is now. <laughs> so, Stephen Bishop. Whatever you say, Stephen. By <laughs> Apple. <laughs> Do they, does it say exactly when this this, this took place? Because I've yet to see it in the uh, the A's for Apple book yet. And I'm well, the, the letter, it says the letter was dated um, August 1st, 1969. Uh, 1960, okay. And Stephen posted it online, so I just okay. shared it yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. You could actually read that. the letter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I was, was going to ask you, Tom, if it was in A's for Apple. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and look because I think Volume three ends on August of 69. I have to go back and check. Okay. One last item here. Stella McCartney is involved with something now called Stella Fest. In partnership with the National Network to End Domestic Violence, described as a digital festival to stop violence against women, you can bid on virtual events like meeting Stella. Virtually, you know, 
talk to her one-on-one. -on -one. Or you can do the same thing with Alicia Keys. There are stay fit programs, cooking lessons, wine tasting happy hours with LA Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts, to name a few. If you're interested in donating or making bids on these virtual happenings, you could go to priceless.com slash StellaFest. And don't be surprised if you see videos popping up online of people promoting this. And Brian Wilson actually posted a very short video of him singing Hey Jude a cappella. <laughs> and in the video, they have the links if you want to donate or make a bid. Okay. So yeah, something that Stella McCartney is now involved with. Cool. There you go. That's it? Okay. Uh, just That's quick. it. <laughs> That's Half an hour. That's it. <laughs> Half the show. Let's go. <laughs> I just want to quickly say that that'll be the day is now out on DVD and Blu-ray. I know Ken Michaels is giving away on his uh, on his website, and uh, do check it out. I think it's an amazing film. It's probably his best acting performance. Really good stuff, and uh, we'll talk about this more in the future at some point. So mm -hmm. now back to our main topic. This is the lightning round questions. We're gonna rack each other's brains, and I'm gonna get things started. And um, are you guys ready? Um, more than ready. Ready as I'm ready. ready. More than ready. Okay, here we go. Best guest guitarist solo on a solo Beatles track. Your choices are Clapton on Devil's Radio or Gilmore on No More Lonely Nights. Ken Michaels, what say you? Dave Gilmore. Joe Mayo. I think, I think as, as great a song as that is, he really brought something out of that song, especially in the way that it ends with the long yes. guitar solo. Yeah. I mean, that is such an absolute highlight of No More Lonely Nights. While I love the song too. He, yes. he made it even better. So okay. much better. Cool. Joe Mayo, what say you? Uh, I love Clapton and, you know, I love Devil's Radio and no Cloud Nine and everything, but I got to give it to Gilmore for No More Lonely Nights. I think that's a really a impressive, sharp, uh, you know, tearing guitar. So right. uh, work on that. I love that. And the queen? <laughs> I hate to be boring, but first thing that popped my mind, David Gilmore. I, I mean, he took that song to another level. I mean, that, that guitar just soars in, in that solo. And, and I love at the end how, you know, it, it, it just takes it out into, into the fade out. Um, absolutely. I mean, love Eric Clapton. You yeah. know, he's collapsing his god, yeah. but <laughs> there's a lot of great guitar, there's a lot of great guitar work in that song, Devil's Radio, and yeah, his solo is amazing in that song. But Gilmore, as you said, Kit just took that song to a whole new, whole nother level, and uh, it just made it a you know, and just a, a great song into an instant classic. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely on board with the Gilmore. Uh, I could have gone with, better. I could have gone with another two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't want it to end. I didn't want Chill. it to fade out. That's know? a good fade out. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah. Just wanted to keep that keep that solo going. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna turn it over to the Queen Kit. What is your question? All right. So this is this is not um, an either or thing. So this is just first thing that comes into your mind. Okay, a song. Name a song by any of them that everybody else dislikes and you constantly defend just any any song that that you know everybody else hates and you like 
So uh, uh, let's see. So uh, so Tom, how about let's start with you? Temporary secretary. Okay. I, you know, I know a lot of people just don't like that constant beginning. Do, 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 do. I, I know it's just not a fan favorite. Uh, I know it does have its fan base, but for me, and that's a song that uh, I'll defend until the day I die. I think great lyrics as well. I think it's a great uh, statement for, for women, and uh, it's, I think it's a good song. Hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And that's, yeah, that song is still debated. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> People still, still talk about it. Joe, how about you? Bip-bop. Bip-bop. And I'm oh, really glad that Tom one. took a little bit of time because I thought, oh, cracking <laughs> my brain. I'm thinking, what? and then I thought, yeah, no, I just, I just appreciate it for what it is. It's a fun homespun ditty, you know, playing around with the kids or whatnot. It's not anything, uh, not supposed to be anything uh, complicated complex he can do that if he wants when he wants but uh i enjoy it for what it is and i always have it's it's infectious it's contagious for me anyway and uh i find myself getting into it every time i hear the wildlife album so yeah. bip bop okay, well said absolutely all right ken all right ken michaels what say you well you know i wouldn't say everybody hates it but people are very divided on it but i always defend ebony and ivory you know, I love that record to death. I loved it on first listen. I think the magic of Paul and Stevie Wonder singing together, harmonizing together with a great melody and a simple yet effective message, I think it works for me. But a lot of people look at uh, that period as being like, you know, the nadir of his career, teaming up with uh, Stevie and Michael Jackson at the same time and trying to have guaranteed hits. And they look down on that period. And, you know, some surveys will list that as being one of the worst songs ever, but I love it. And I've always loved it. That hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems to be a current trend with that one, I think. I'm spotting out there on social media. Like, it's new vo in vogue. I like it myself, too. I, I liked it then. I like it now. Mm -hmm. It seems to be uh, so it's trash this one now. All right, cool. Yeah, so, I yeah I agree. I, just that that yeah that it's it's become in vogue to to say it's corny and it was you know simplistic and everything. That was a huge hit back in the day. It was. I mean, seven I mean, it was weeks, number, number one. Yeah, I was going to say, how long was it number one? It seemed like forever. And seven. yeah, it was. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I get, I get sick of that. And my, um, my pick is um, used to be bad. I oh. get so sick of of people putting that song down. It still is. It's a fun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to a future episode of Two Legs then, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's just a fun jam. I, yeah. I I enjoyed it the first time I heard it. It's just two guys jamming. I I loved Steve Miller on it. I mean I'm not saying it's the best thing he ever did, you know, Paul ever did, but it's a fun jam, and I I enjoy it for what it is. So mm -hmm. I, I okay. you know, yep. I I must be missing something because I don't recall anybody putting that song down. Oh, I have. I've okay. I've heard it from people that yeah, they just think it's you know the lamest track on. This was on just my first time. This is my debut. <laughs> <laughs> Never really thought about it much. <laughs> yep. So, but really, I mean, I've just, you know, really people have, have just said how, you know, that they just think it's the lamest song on the album and, and, uh, you know, I just get sick of hearing it. So I'm, I'm defending it. 
Okay. Oh, good okay. time, you're back. Okay. Yeah, you know, the camera's playing tricks on me. <laughs> so that's We're cracking right. my brain, actually, right now. So you right off. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Ken Michaels, let's get your question, my friend. Okay. Very simple one here. <laughs> and I probably brought this up before on this show, but I always like to bring it back. Okay. Maybe I'm amazed. Studio version from the McCartney album, Wings Over America version. Which one do you prefer? We will start with you, Joe. Well, I love them both, and they're both different, you know, but enjoyable. But I, I, I've always preferred the studio, and I think I'm in the minority on that. I think a lot of people, a lot of fans like the live version better. They like the live version. They save a lot of songs, I'm finding out. Uh, uh, stuff off Venus and Mars and so forth, like Letting Go and things like that. Mm -hmm. But no, I, just, I, just, I love it, and I, I, I think the studio version, I think it is one of the best songs that Paul ever wrote. I just did a video the other day, and what if I was discussing Let It Be, and uh, maybe I'm amazing. I said, those, although it's impossible to tell because he's written so many hundreds of songs, maybe his best two songs, Maybe I'm Amazed, is, is one of them for me. I love the studio okay. version. Although I, but I also enjoy, as I said, the live one. It's not one that I dislike or anything. I just really prefer, I think, like a little bit, the uh, original album version. Okay. Uh, Kit, how about you? I, I've always liked the live version. Um, I, I just think I love. Paul's voice on that. Um, I like the, I mean, it's, it's close because I like, I like the studio too, but I just think the live version has a little more energy to it. Um, I, I think um, Paul's voice on the live version just does it for me. Um, I just, I love the raspiness to it. There's even more raspiness than, than in the uh, studio version. And there's just, because of that, there's just, I don't know, there's just more, more passion to it. And, and therefore just even more, you know, he just really drives home the lyrics uh, more for me. I think partially too, uh, maybe because that's the first version I heard. I didn't hear the studio mm. version first. That I, the first one I ever heard was, was Same for me, I think. I think yeah, it was the live version. And that so when I, yeah, yeah. And, exactly. And so, uh, you know, that's what they always played on the radio. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I heard, you know, as I started getting into the Beatles and then started getting into the solo stuff, and I heard the studio version, it just wasn't the same for me. Um, you know, I, I was just so used to the live version. So much as you know, I, I love them both. I, I would say still, I, I, I would still, I still prefer the studio version for, for its, um, you know, just for its power. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. Tom? I, well, I'll disagree with you a little bit, Kit. I, I believe it's oh, the studio Oh, well, that's it. You're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's the studio version that has the, the, the passion and the emotion in, in, in his voice and his playing. I uh, love the fact that he does all the instruments on that song. And, uh, you know, I think it set the tone for for Linda as his muse. And I think definitely get the sense. You, I, for me, you get you, you feel his love for Linda in that song and in that version. And I think when when they brought it live, I, I you know, it's it's still powerful as it is. 
Memphis, and then Jimmy's solo in, in, in that version is just is is excellent. However, right. I just feel I really feel the emotion and 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 his passion when in that studio version over the over the the live version myself. Okay, I'm gonna go with the studio version because there's such an intensity in that mm -hmm. version, the rawness, the power. Yeah. Knowing the backstory around it, what Paul was going through at the time, yep. how he was going through some rough times with the Beatle breakup and all, and Linda was there through all the through all those tough times, what yep. that song meant to him then, even though that was a work in progress anyway. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love him playing all the different instruments. His voice is so amazingly powerful, you know, in the studio version. And it is great on the live one too. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. But I do love Jimmy McCulloch's guitar solo on the live version it's slower you might say that makes the song more powerful when it's slower but i like it better when it's a little bit faster i do mm -hmm. like the studio of the the studio one better for all the, the reasons a little longer too would you say does this feel longer the, the live, live version's version. longer yeah, yeah the live version's like over five minutes it. Mm. yeah that's true yeah mm. so you know i i definitely prefer the studio one but okay. don't get me wrong, I love Wings Over America. I love that. Yeah, movie. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, uh, there, Mr. Mean Mayo, what you, uh, what you well, got for us? Since, since my name is Mean Mr. Mayo, I'll add a little vinegar to this. We're going to get a, at least two questions. I, I'm each, I'm, I, I, I hope, right? All right, we're going to get at least go around at least twice. Yeah, we'll see. All right, uh, let's see. Now, not counting demos or unreleased recordings. Out of stuff like officially released albums, singles, B-sides, what would you say is the worst or least liked, you prefer, Paul McCartney song, officially released? You mean by the general public or by ourselves? Uh, Paul McCartney's least, uh, least uh, song, worst song, least song that, uh, that he re released. As a single. Official, official album, single, or B-side. Oh. Oh, I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to start with you, Ken Michaels. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this ought this. to be interesting. <laughs> you could say least favorite, you know. I could say least favorite, which it is for today anyway. Um, gratitude. Hmm. I never liked that song to begin with. You know, it has a really strong R&B feel, which usually I like in Paul songs, like in Call Me Back Again or a song like that. There's just nothing that grabs me about gratitude. I don't like the way that he pronounces it, gratitude, you know, in the song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only a few songs from Paul throughout his solo career that I don't care for, and that's one of them. You know, I, I never say that I'd skip over a track if I'm listening to the CD, but I might do it with that one. It's not a favorite of mine, but, you know, I listen to it, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, um, let's go with Tom. Okay, thank you very much. Well, since we've got all this Flaming Pie excitement coming up, you know, we've all been, I've been listening to Flaming Pie quite a bit. And uh, the one song that right now that I can tell you that I just dislike more and more every time I hear it is Really Love You uh, from Flaming Pie. It's a song that, you know, I just don't think it deserved to be on the album, I know it's you've you've got Jeff Lane, I know you got Ringo Starr, but um, you know it, it's a jam and then spur of the moment lyrics that he's just improvising. Just uh, it, it doesn't work for me as as a lyrical song or as a jam song. And I'm sorry, but uh, right now that's like one of my least favorite McCartney songs at the moment. 
Interesting. Okay, Kit, you think of something. <laughs> try the tr try the Twin Peaks uh, Twin Peaks. Try the Twin Freaks version. <laughs> I've listened to that, and it's, an, a, it's, it's a vast improvement. It's, it's a, a vast, vast improvement. improvement. It yes. is. It really is. Um, okay, I know. I know the one, and um, and you know, he meant the best with this song, but freedom. I, I <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I, I really, you know, as I said, all good intentions with it, but it, it just was, you know, just too simplistic for me. Um, it, it just made me cringe uh, when, when I remember seeing him on the tour when he was playing that and he had us all clapping along to it. I was just, oh, I was just grimacing when <laughs> I was doing this. I mean, it, it just, I just thought it was just so simplistic. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I just felt terrible because I know his heart was in the right place singing it, yeah. but uh, writing it and, and singing it. But it, I just thought, oh, he could have done so much better. Um, you know, Don't I, you love the part when, in the, the Love We Make when he's trying to uh, explain the song to his, is it Eric Clapton? Eric Clapton. It's Clapton. Clapton. Yeah, it's Clapton. Yeah, and Pete Townsend. And just the looks on their faces. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I, and I, I no, remember but, that. And, and I just thought, yep, I feel you guys. That's how I would in, 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 in the song's defense, if I may, if I, may I, I do, I personally think it worked for the occasion. It, mm. it, it worked okay in the occasion, mm. personally, as, right. as, you know, an album track or something. I think it's kind of weak. I'll give it that. I don't think it deserved to put a hold on Driving Rain for him to add it to the CD, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So. I also, but, and, and, and again, with Clapton, great, great solo by Clapton in it, though, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, but not enough to rescue the song for me. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if you're looking for a song that expresses those feelings with a great hook and a great chorus, and Paul delivered it, you know, so well, I think it works on that level and for that time especially. And I just feel like, you know, we've said this before. There are certain songs that you feel like Paul took five minutes to write. This is one of those songs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that if he added a, another verse or a couple more verses, put a little bit more effort, a little more effort behind it, I would have thought more highly of it. I still like it. I like it for mm -hmm. the melody and the hooks and for what it was used for. I think it works on that level. Um, right. But I just think that, you know, he could have banged that out so quickly. You know, yep. I, yeah. and yet some of the greatest work ever done are songs that were written very quickly. Like I love so, some days. And wasn't that a song written pretty quickly? Uh, some days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. a masterpiece to me. Yeah, that was that's great. one of my all-time so, favorite Paul songs. Me too. <laughs> so he's he's capable. I mean, he can do it. <laughs> right. But this wasn't one of those moments. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what's so, your what's yours, Joe? Yes. Um. Uh, it's tough because there were a few that I. Uh, contenders but i switch them up all the time i think today i'll go with secret friend mm. so b-side mm. temporary secretary yeah. uh yeah yeah you know, uh, i don't know just boring too long and boring and monotonous to me uh although I, but i like a lot of that stuff that wound up being you know mccartney too stuff i love check my machine you mm -hmm. know any stuff like that you know stuff i that uh, from that era i do love but uh, that's probably my least favorite all song as of right now Okay, cool. Watch. Yeah, Kit, do you <laughs> have right. a uh, question from the uh, from the audience? Okay, I am just scrolling down here. They're they're uh, 
coming fast and furiously. One of them is what is for for all of us our favorite solo album of of all the solo albums. Oh wow. We had to pick one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, mm. What which one is our favorite? Well, it's hard. With 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 uh, I'll tell you what, I'll go I'm just going to go all things must pass because there's just so much material and so much quality material that I just find it hard to be bored with, with that album. I mean, disregarding the, 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 the third disc, um, which has never been a favorite of mine, but the, the strength of the material on both albums, you know, for me deserves that. And I'll take that to a, to a desert Island and I'll, I would never be bored with listening to that. Mm. Okay. I, I agree that that was the first thing that jumped into my mind too. Abs yeah, you, you hear something different every time you listen to that album. There are so many themes on it, so many different genres. Um, you know, it's hard because there's so many wonderful albums to choose yeah. from, but, but I, I'd have to agree. I, I think there's just so much depth to that album mm -hmm. that I, you, you never get tired of it. Absolutely. Okay. I, th I, th I think that uh, the first thing that popped in my mind was All Things Must Pass also, and I was trying to say, no, put, put, put that out of there because you know, I love George, but what about Paul and John, you know? And I'm saying, like Tom said, you know, because of the wealth of material on there, how many great songs are there, and also the idea that George really flourished and came into his own so much, you know, and it was his own person, so to speak, at this point, and that was such a great, great album. I, I did uh, several years ago on my uh, YouTube channel. I actually did an attempt at my favorite, maybe ten going backwards to one, and I wound up giving. I think all things must pass the number one spot there yeah. too. Uh, but you know, of course, there's best and there's favorite too. Right? The question right. a, lot, a lot of times is right. favorite. It's right. tough because I mean, yeah, I don't. I sure want to sit here and say, oh, but there could also be this one by Paul. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say all things must pass. Okay, 10? Well, you know, in most surveys, All Things Must Pass usually finishes number one. But yeah. if you're talking about favorites, you know, I've said many times, Living in the Material World is my yeah. favorite album from any artist. You know, I just think that I love the very spiritual side of George Harrison, which he has shown throughout his entire career, especially on All Things Must Pass. But I think that many of the songs that are on Living in the Material World like who can see it, the light that has lighted the world, be here now, the day the world gets round. They're deeply personal songs that say a lot about him and where his head was at at the time. And sometimes I think to myself that that album was kind of his own plastic on a band in his own way, you know? Mm. Um, so you can't get a more powerful song than be here now for me. And I realize to a lot of people, that's a really slow song. It's just oh, a minute acoustic guitar. I love it. You know, but it's so beautiful in its message. A few words, but they say a lot. You know, it's kind of his within you, without you of his solo career in that regard in the sense that he's saying a lot in the song and it's a very slow song with an incredible message. Um, the slide guitar work was impeccable on that album, but it's that way on all of his albums. Um, just that album was more than just great songs. Those are songs that really deeply moved me and told me more about him. And in many ways, you can connect with him if you're 
in any way on a spiritual level like that. So um, yeah, Living in the Material World is my favorite album from any artist, surpassing the Beatles. Wow, that is pretty amazing. Unanimous for George. That's just amazing. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I was thinking, you know, with like Tom, you know, big Paul fan, two legs, uh, video cast, and of course, Ken, you know, wow, (laughs) it's amazing when you think about it. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's it's well deserved for George, in in my opinion, you know, wonderful stuff. But uh, okay, we're going to try to get through another round here quickly. And um, my question to you would be of these three songs that I that I will give you as your choices, uh, these three songs, they were all rehearsed during the uh, January 69 Get Back sessions. They all became solo songs. Mm-hmm. Now, of these three solo songs, which one of these three would you have liked to have seen the Beatles work on and complete as a Beatles song for Let It Be? Your choices are Another Day, Give Me Some Truth, or isn't it a pity? Now, all three of these songs were worked on during uh, twice each during that month. And um, let's say, uh, Joe Mayo, what's, uh, what would you, oh, thanks. What's, <laughs> of, of, three, of those three songs, what would you like to have seen a Beatles song? So I'm just, you know, just thinking this on the, on the spur of the moment, of course. And at first off, so this, well, your answer would also indicate that that song would not be a solo song. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's, let's see now. I'm thinking in that regard, uh, well, of course, I like all three of the songs you mentioned. I think they're fine as is, uh, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. but then I started thinking, well, maybe give me some truth, uh, even though uh, the finished version mentions like Tricky Dicky. Right. You know, you can't write and stuff like that. I guess he could have done that even then, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get my history right. But, he was president then. And I started thinking to myself that, Maybe because, you know, John being John and doing revolution, stuff like that. Maybe I could see uh, him doing a political kind of song then. Uh, would it fit, though? Let, I'm thinking to let it be out. I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. It's, just, it's your opinion. It's your really, opinion. Would that really fit <coughs> yeah. You know? I guess that's the first thing that I thought. So I'll stick with that. Give me some food. Okay. Fair enough. Kittle Tool? Um, first thing that came to mind was, isn't it a pity? Um, okay. I, I think... You know, I could see the Beatles doing that thematically, um, you know, because it's a it's a message um, song, um, you know, it would certainly go along with their their themes of, of love. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, this one is a sadder message, but um, but I, 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 I could see them, I think, you know, kind of tailoring that. I mean, it's hard to imagine it not being a complete George song. Um, mm. But I, I think I, I could picture them, you know, harmonizing on that. Um, you know, I, mm. I mean, now that I'm thinking of it in my head, I mean, I, I could mm. absolutely picture George singing lead on that with, you know, uh, Paul and John harmonizing in the back. And, and so, I mean, it, it, they could definitely turn it more into a Beatles kind of song, you know, would certainly be in the vein of a let it be or you know i mean mm-hmm. they could turn into sort of an anthem so yeah i i could see them doing isn't it a pity okay cool ken i'm gonna go with give me some truth oh. uh for the simple the reason that um it's kind of known uh, john did sort of admit that paul helped him write it mm. 
and um, I could hear John and Paul harmonizing together on Give Me Some Truth, especially, you know, the chorus part, all I want is the truth, just give me some truth. Um, it's hard to imagine a better guitar solo than the one that George already gave right. on the Imagine album, mm. but I could see that as being more of a band song. You know, Another Day is just so... I can't see the Beatles working on another day. It's so um, distinctly Paul, you know, uh, and, uh, and definitely isn't it a pity. I, I could see the Beatles working on that, but I think more as a band song jamming on it, I could hear Give Me Some Truth. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of disagree in a way. I, I, I think I would have liked to have seen another day worked as a Beatles song. There's some great, backing vocals from Paul Lind on that, that I would have loved to have seen John George and Paul work on all, the, all those oohs and ahs, I, you know, throughout the song, I think would have worked for, for, for those three backing, uh, as backing vocals. I think this could have given, a, um, you know, George an opportunity to, you know, work a little bit on the slide guitar because it does have like a feel, that feel, you know, throughout that song in, in another day. And plus it's, you know, acoustic, which they were doing a lot of acoustic stuff at that time. Um, so, I mean, I, that's, a, that's a song that I, I, that I can picture in my mind that, that, that the four of them working on together um, for, for, for Let It Be. So that would be my pick. So, but, but all good picks. I mean, I, I don't think you can go wrong with any three of them. And that's why I chose those three. And that's a really good one. All great songs. Ooh, like yeah. yeah. But they're all, right, all great the way the, they came out. They all great the exactly. way they came out. I, so yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, hmm. Let's go with Kittle Tool. Let's, uh, second um, question. Okay. Um, all right. So let's go with a wings question here. So, um, who would you say, and this is going to be a little, a little trickier, who would you say is, you know, of all the lineups, is sort of a, like an MVP of Wings? Now, I'm going to make this a little more difficult and eliminate Denny Wayne, okay, because that's the obvious. Like you're going to do that. <laughs> okay, so, so that's too obvious, you know, so of course Denny Wayne was, was a huge member, so I'm, I'm going to take him out of contention, so who do you think of, of all the other people who, who played in, in Wings, who do you think was, you know, someone who really, had an MVP, someone who really contributed something great, to the band. So Tom, let's start with you. Danny Sywell. Absolutely. Um, with his drumming, especially on Ram. And then, you know, again, throughout those singles from 72. Uh, and then, you know, his work on Red Rose Speedway. Uh, just all the different styles of, of drumming that he did in his short period of time with, with Wings and Paul McCartney, if you want also, if we can also include Ram. This Ram alone, I think his drumming work on that, he just, he deserves MVP for, it's just so much amazing work, whether it's, it's a fast, fast pace, like a road all night, or something, you know, gentle, like, uh, you know, some people never know, uh, you know, and, and, and something crazy, you know, unexpected, like Mary Had a Little Lamb, I and mean, just his work um, through those, those, those quick three years, I think is amazing, and I, that's, you know, he gets my vote for MVP. When I saw him uh, at uh, a Beatle Fest um, playing to a recording of Ram, he was demonstrating his drumming mm -hmm. technique. 
Hmm. Boy, was I impressed. I mean, yeah. that, that really gave me a whole new understanding of, and, and the fact that, you know, he had such a background in jazz. I mean, right. you could really see that and, and, you know, what he brought to that album. So, uh, so I, I approve of that answer. <laughs> <sighs> good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Ken, how about you? That is an amazingly difficult question. I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've heard which lineup do you like the best of Wings, but not singling out one person. So, and those are, that, what you said about Denny Silo is spot on, Tom. Um, he could easily get my vote any day. Um, and I also have to try and block out having seen so many of these people after Wings. And, mm -hmm. you know, watching Lawrence Juber, who amazes me every time I see Absolutely. him play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but thinking of what they brought at that time, certainly Denny Sywell could easily get my vote, but I think that Jimmy McCulloch deserves uh, a lot because his lead guitar work was astounding. Um, yes. First of all, Agreed. you know, I, I do think that Medicine Jar was, you know, one of the best rockers in the Wings catalog, and I'm glad that they got to do that one live. And I do like Wino Junko, too, although that doesn't really get much mention. But so much of the lead guitar work that Jimmy brought to the band, especially... Um, the Note You Never Wrote is amazing, what he did on that. Cafe on the Left Bank. You know, there's a lot of songs there. Huge well, yes. Thank you. How could I forget that? But um, he was an incredibly gifted guitar player. They all were. They're all really good musicians and wings. Um, so it, it's, it's, that's a very tough question, like I said. What, but, do, you, what do we really uh, know from McGear? You know, good work there. Yep. Uh, giving Grease a ride. There you go. You're making my case stronger, Tom. <laughs> I might have to change my answer now that I think about it. <laughs> I can change mine to yours, too. But, uh, you know, I've grown to love all the lineups of Wings. They're all different in their own ways. It's kind of like I said, and it's true. If you played for me an unreleased Wings song that I never heard before, I could tell you which lineup it was. Mm -hmm. Because the playing from the guitar player is distinctive. Yeah. The drumming is distinctive between the well, the three main ones in the in the band. So, um, well, I'll go with Jimmy. I like it. Right. I approve of that as well. <laughs> so what you're saying is there's really no wrong answer here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, That's exactly what I'm saying. All right, Joe, how about you? Guitarist. Um, well, I'm glad nobody picked my answer. I'm glad you didn't think to rule this person out. But when, uh, when it was asked about MVP, most of the... Uh, Valuable. I, I, I hope you're going to say who I think you're going to say. Uh, I'm going to say Linda McCartney. Yeah. Oh. Is that a surprise to everybody? <laughs> because I mean, we're talking about, you know, I, I always say, you know, when it comes to Paul, I always say, for me, I'm in it for Paul. You know, I mean, I like a lot of the other musicians. I love a lot of the other musicians. However, I, I'll listen to Paul no matter who is in the band. But we're talking about a, a sound. Wings is different, right? In the sense that, especially with Linda's harmonies and her contributions. So I think that's why I start, where I started going with my mind when when uh, you were saying about MVP or some special bring something specific to Wings. That's what makes a difference to me is Linda's voice, and some people maybe not wouldn't care for it. I love her offbeat mm -hmm. saying harmonies. I love. Wait a minute, hold on a second here. Oh, oh, I think he's going to do a show and tell. You know, hey, there you go. You know what I mean? You know, 
Uh, oh, I just, nice. I, I just love the way that uh, she sings and, and harmonizes Paul's work. I think it gives a unique sound to the wing sound that we, we all the albums that we had, you know. So Linda is my choice. Although, and I'm not just saying that it's to save face or anything. I really do. I love Jimmy, you know, Benny Sywell, Lawrence Juber, mm-hmm. yep. Steve Holly, Joe English. I mean, it, you can't really go wrong. So uh, there, there you go, Linda. Mm-hmm. Great, great, Joe. Yeah, and and, yep, yeah, I know, that's. And that's why I asked this, because, yeah, there's so many possible answers to this. Um, you didn't say, not, in, not including Linda. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I mean, that's absolutely a valid answer. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I wanted to exclude, I mean, of course, Denny. Was, for the harmonies, not so, not, not the, you know, instruments. You yeah, know, so but no, no, that is an absolutely <laughs> valid answer. No, no, but I wanted to exclude Denny, because I'm like, that's, that's too obvious. Oh, yeah, that's the first uh, question. I, I think said, that was yeah. a great way to propose the question. Yeah, because yeah, I thought, you know, they, they all played different parts. But, yeah, I would have to say, I, I think, agree with you, Ken, about Jimmy McAuliffe. I mean, that, that was, it was, it's a hard call. But, um, but he really, I mean, you know, particularly on the, you know, Wings Across America tour. And, I mean, he was really a VIP mm. <laughs> on that tour. Uh, love Medicine Jar. I mean that's uh that is really uh such a such a rocker and it's just a shame that you know his life was was cut short because yeah. I mean he was so talented and and those guitar solos he, he Junior's did. Farm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Junior's mm-hmm. Farm. I mean, you know, he, he just Jimmy. Yeah, really, yeah. I mean he could just nail those those solos and I mean he was mm. as I said, he was to me the really uh, one of the the MVPs of that tour and uh, and really took you know wings I think to another level at that time and you know one of their their highest periods and and so yeah it's it's just a shame that as I said that his you know life ended so early because I think he you know could have gone on to, to bigger things I, I heard through the grapevine um, that Jimmy McCullough was going to possibly be in a band with the late great Terry Kath. Um, oh, when when wow. Terry Kath left Chicago, um, the, one of the thing, one of the members of the band would have been Jimmy McCullough um, with wow. him. Which those two guitar players, I mean, you, you when you think you know underrated or, or underappreciated or underthought guitar players, guitar players, both of them come to mind. And uh, and man, what a duo that would have been! What that would have been incredible. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, a mutual friend of ours on Facebook, Paul Sally. Paul Sally, that's where that came from. Oh, so he found that out? Yeah, I mean, well, he he had, he he had gone to the Terry Kath of uh, uh, Facebook page, and 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 asked that question because he had heard about that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to his his Jimmy McCulloch uh, book that he's working on right now. Yeah. So and and you know he would be a great guest to, in the future to talk about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, absolutely. That was when I when I saw that post, I was I was blown away by it. just the thought of you know hearing Terry and Jimmy on a on a record together. Unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, do we have so, time for real? Well, let's yeah, let's go. I mean, yeah. uh, it would be uh, let's or do Ken next. Yeah. Okay. Do you want uh, do you want a question? Oh, do you want to do a reader's one? I don't do mind. Wanna, do you want to do a viewer one or do yeah? You let's do, do let's do a let's do a quick viewer one. Yeah. All right, because this one. is a very interesting one. Okay. Uh, okay. What do we feel was 
the most like embarrassing moment and in, in or you know something in the career of of any one of i think any one of the beatles like you know it could be a yeah, i'm assuming it could be a you know an album or a project oh, or yeah. anything like that so you know most embarrassing moment of any of their careers oh uh, there's a there's a couple okay. uh, first yeah, one that was first <laughs> well I, I mean i i i i oh yeah you I, I there's no way you can't say you know give my regards to broad street hmm. i i i think uh, unfortunately i mean you could you could you could say george's voice in the 74 tour um uh, i think probably as well um but i think just the the embarrassment of of how poorly uh, the movie performed at the box office and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he did it basically himself and didn't get any help for it, um, you know, for that project. I, I, I think you would have to go Broad Street. I, I agree. Uh, in fact, uh, coming, um, oh, coming up. See, we can't, we can't avoid puns on this show. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be on an episode of uh, Paul or Nothing and we covered broad street that's that's going to be the episode and i hadn't watched that movie in a while and i'd forgotten just how embarrassing that movie is i mean the the uh break dancer during mm. the silly love song silly love yeah. songs oh my god i mean th that's just one of many many there, there, there's some good moments in there yeah. I, I mean i think the the video like uh songs you know, for like not such a bad boy. You that know, was fine. And, yeah. You know and that. You know that's fine. You know, I think the the ballroom dancing, you know, scene is, is not bad as well. You know, in the in the studio stuff is, yeah. is nice. You know, I, I kind of look at it almost like kind of like a magical mystery tour style thing, yeah, where really you know you got all these great video style, you know, songs throughout this movie that really doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, but but all the acting and everything. So that would be my vote hands down to that's most embarrassing absolutely okay ken um well publicly i would say give my regards to broad street for all the the um the reasons you mentioned i don't necessarily feel that way and i echo tom's words exactly i was just talking about this on facebook with somebody it really is his magical mystery tour in a way it's a string of music videos that you enjoy watching as music videos there's a there's one scene in there with um paul and linda and ringo and barbara in a boat during the eleanor yeah. rigby you know eleanor's dream sequence which is beautifully shot very charles dickens-esque you know, I love that stuff with the band there with Dave Edmonds and Ringo. And yeah. there's a lot of really fine moments musically to watch, you know, with Ringo doing um, when, when uh, Paul does the medley yesterday right. here, here, there and everywhere and Wanderlust. That's a high moment. Yes. There's a lot of really fine moments there in, in the film as a storyline. There's nothing really to it. It's a very thin right story but you're watching it because it's paul and you want to hear the music and you want to hear him execute the music with the different musicians that he's with and on that level i enjoy it yeah the break you know, dancers the, i i don't really like but i love the scene with uh what you, uh when they when they're doing not such a bad boy no values yeah, so they were, no values, it was in a warehouse yeah. or something yeah. uh, you know that was okay yeah i i mean i i like yeah the music but but eleanor's dream oh boy i i, I can't take that scene. So is that Sorry. your answer? Then? <laughs> I love it. No, it's not my answer. I'm trying to be 
different. Okay, <laughs> it's like, great. No, but it, it came to mind as I'm waiting here. Uh, to, am I next? Yeah, I'm next. losing track. Um, yeah, next. I thought, you know, we forgot something pretty obvious. What about John and Yoko, uh, like Two Virgins and Wedding Album and those kind of embarrassing things that they did? I mean, that's pretty embarrassing. Uh, all those well, kind of just, I, I don't feel that way, but, you know. Well, I mean, I'm trying to be, this is what you want to be objective, I guess, about my own love for John, you know. Right. Um, those are, I, you know, I could see why they were kind of uh, embarrassed or they, the people made them feel ashamed and stuff like that. I'm glad that he did it. In, in retrospect, now it's like, oh, wow, cool move, trying to do something to ruffle the feathers a little bit. But it was kind of, I think, embarrassing, especially the nude album cover, um, I think. But um, It just kind of shows you where, where, their heads, to go for something. where their heads were at at the time yeah. and what they yeah, wanted to do artistically. Oh, yeah, I, could def- I could defend him all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be embarrassed little, uh, by it. You know, yeah. critical, you know. Okay. All right, just a, cool. just a f- I, I just have to mention a few funny answers here. Tom Brennan's at Paul's Japan bust. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's that was, pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, the fact yeah. that they got busted again once they got back, once they got into uh, England. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's embarrassing. Uh, the James Paul McCartney special, for <laughs> parts of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but overall, it, it wasn't what I would call a disaster. Yeah. It had some really good moments in there. And uh, and Ringo's "Who's Your Daddy?" Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was cringy. Yeah, that. that was cringy. Okay. <laughs> All right, so now we're up to uh, Ken Michaels. Ken, ask your second question, please. All right, this one's going to take a little bit of thought. So I'm I'm debating. This could be a show. This question. <laughs> okay, but I'm real curious oh. to find out what you guys have to say about this. Now, this concerns studio material only from Paul McCartney. We already know that in the pipeline, he's working on It's a Wonderful Life as a musical. And he's also working on the animated film for High in the Clouds. If I was your Beatle genie, and I could grant you one wish as to what the next release Paul McCartney gives us as a studio recording, not a live recording, and it could be all new music, or it could be something in the archives, what would you want him to release next? You had your wish. I could grant you this wish. You know, it can't be what we know he's going to put out. Right. Okay. You had your choice of either all new music of something, and you have to say what that is. Okay. It could be a special project you'd like to see him do in the future, working with a certain artist, whatever. If you had your wish, you had one wish, what would it be? So we'll go to... Mr. Two Legs, the Paul McCartney podcast first. Tom. Very, very easy for me to answer this question. And uh, we know he's had plenty of time on his hands to make this possible. But a McCartney 3 at the end of the year, drop it December, would be a dream come true. He's had plenty of time to, to write. I mean, he's probably already got, you know, 5,000 songs in his back pocket anyways. He could easily, <laughs> you know, be in his studio alone have somebody behind the glass with an engineer or a producer and record you know 10 to uh, 15 to songs that play all the instruments themselves and do it on McCartney 3 style uh, record and that would be my dream release for the end of the year or his stick. next release which is how I think you quite you, you yeah. put the question yeah stick it out of his back pocket yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay you're not the only one that's thought that through this quarantine mm-hmm. you know yeah, Perfect yeah. opportunity to do McCartney yeah. 3. 
Exactly. Okay, Joe, you're next. Well, uh, recently, not a few months ago, I think, there were stories going around that maybe there was going to be this compilation coming out of mm. Paul doing some uh, sound checks, uh, an album of like old sound checks, maybe taking songs you don't always hear uh, and do live. I remember I went to a, to a sound check in 2017. I heard him do Alligator from mm. uh, New, which was but I mean, it's stuff that he's been doing all along, even when he was really, uh, not to knock him, but at, at his peak, really, uh, better vocally than now, 89, 90. Take, take all the best stuff you can find, sound checks, stuff you're familiar with, but mostly unfamiliar stuff that you don't hear all the time him do, and put that out in some kind of a compilation. Uh, for, for but wouldn't you, can, stuff. Wouldn't you um, consider that a live release? Hmm? I was saying a studio release. Uh, I suppose, but but being that there's not really an an audience, really, right? You just have a few lingerers around. It wouldn't be like you wouldn't get the feedback, like the applause and a big crowd reaction. Or anything like that. I guess te technically it's live, yeah. Mm. But uh, I don't know. Um, I I, I like that idea when when I heard it, and I also thought it was a good way to get past the, the vocal issues. You know, sometimes people. Are, you know, saying that when we discuss that time and time again, like how you know, can you sing this anymore? Can you reach that peak anymore vocally? Uh, mm -hmm. This, if you use an older material, in a lot of cases, that might be a real quality album. It's kind of like how the Amoeba gig was so great, and that was from 2007. Yeah. yeah. You know? So Blew of course I have other answers too, but I'm gonna give you the one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Kit, you are next. All right. Well, I, I do like the sound check uh, idea. That's uh, I would love yeah. that as well. Um, but for studio, I I wouldn't mind um, maybe like a duets album. Because mm. at first first I was thinking like a, a Stevie Wonder Paul McCartney collab. Um, you know, I'd love Please. to hear them work together again. <laughs> I would love that. Stevie I would you know I would love that. Um, I either have them do a full album together. Um, I, I would, I would absolutely buy that in two seconds. Um, if they wouldn't do a full album together, then maybe, you know, do then not like a cheesy duets album, but like, you know, working with, you know, Elvis Costello and, you know, different people that would be a good match for him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, my number one, if, if, if you're a real Beatle genie, Ken, <laughs> you know <laughs> like my to make my my fantasies come true <laughs> uh -huh. it would be a, a paul and stevie wonder album like like just all do you know collabs with with them but if that couldn't happen then you know have them do a, a, a collab but maybe other as i said duets with with other artists that would be as I'm I said, doing. <laughs> yeah bob dylan yes <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, artists that would, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, with, you know, artists that would be kind of a stretch <laughs> for mm -hmm. him, but ones that would, that would really, you know, that either are, you know, around his age or, or would, you know, be good compliments. Well, like Cheryl Crow or something, you know, that, that might mm -hmm. be younger, but, but would, you know, work well with him. So, uh, so yeah, that, those would be my, my choices. Okay, well, you and I, Kit, are on the same wavelength. We both love Stevie Wonder equally, you know, and uh, it would be a dream if uh, the, two ever, the two of them ever made a full album together. But I was going 
with my answer in the back of my mind thinking realistically that will never happen. Yeah. But you're the and, genie. And, <laughs> <laughs> if I could be the genie. Okay. <laughs> but what Yay. I had, what I was thinking was something similar to what you were just saying, which is more a collaborations album more a songwriting collaborations album, a full album of Paul writing songs with different people. And they could be people he's already worked with like Stevie Wonder or Elvis Costello, or I'd love to see him bring back Eric Stewart or Denny Lane or someone like that. Um, and some people from the 60s and 70s, you know, work with Brian Wilson on a song, you know, and even though they did the one duet, they didn't write it together, right. a friend like you. Yeah. Um, work with a Billy Joel, someone like that, that you can hear, certainly Paul Simon. Yeah. You know, that would be a dream. You know, something that really makes sense. I'd love to see him with Elton John, although, you know, Elton is strictly a melody maker. He doesn't write lyrics. So I don't know if the two of them would be compatible on that level, you know, because Paul writes both and Elton just writes the melodies. So um, I'd love to see an album like that but real serious collaborations with Paul with a lot of different people. However, it would be interesting to see El what Elton John, how he would interpret, uh, you know, lyrics from McCartney, you know, give him the lyrics and then, you know, and then come up with the, write the music, you know, I, you know, I, th I thought it, it, it had always worked with him and Bernie Taupin the way they did it, you know, Bernie yeah. writes the lyrics and then gives the song to Elton and then he works it out. I mean, I think it would be interesting to see how he would handle you know, some McCartney lyrics and, and, and how he would, you know, turn the song. So, but yeah, it's an but interesting idea. Could you see Paul writing just lyrics and Elton writing the melody? Because Paul, Paul's always involved with the melody. Yeah, true. true. I mean, you'd have to put his ego aside for sure, you know. Why is yeah. my yeah. connection unstable? Anyway, just kind of mess. <laughs> so that would be, that would be my, you know, my wish. Huh. Okay. Some kind of collaborations. And certainly if you can mix it in with people that he's never written with. Right. That you've always wanted him to. Mm. You know? Interesting. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. That wouldn't be there a bad go. idea. Yeah. So cool. who's next? Are right. we gonna so uh, we want to do one more quick uh, audience question, and then we'll. we'll do my day. Oh, we have to. Yeah, we, yeah. Oh, that's right. We forgot oh. Billy Preston. Yeah, <laughs> 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 right. Exactly. Uh, Sorry about that, well, Joe. You know, it's okay. That's it happens. Um, a lot of my questions that I have here, we kind of covered in a way, believe it or not. Uh, but this one is a little different, kind of fun, I guess. Um, today's a special day. It marks the 35th anniversary of Live Aid. Mm -hmm. 1985, July 13th. And a lot of times fans discuss, you know, I think, and I agree, this might have been the one time if John had still been with us that maybe the Beatles would have reunited, you know, for Live Aid, maybe. That would be the one time I, they could see it. I kind of think that way. Uh, now, the question is, I'm just wondering, if the Beatles would have performed a little set, uh, what, what kind of number would you expect them to do? Would you like to see them do to kick it off as... The four, here's the four solo Beatles, first time back together again as the Beatles. And it's like, okay, one, two, they go right into the song. I don't want to give away, I say one, two, three, four. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but I don't know. There's so, so many ways you can go with that. And I'll talk for a while with anybody. Uh, does anybody here have an answer or are they just shaking their head? There's so many songs. I, I, 
Yeah, I tell you, I think <laughs> I can see them whipping out something like a She Loves You, something that's, you know, quick and easy that would, I think, get the crowd going like crazy. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, they got Black Sabbath back together with Ozzy. They got Led Zeppelin together for this. You know, they got, a, you know, a lot of different acts or to a few acts to reunite for this. So I don't see, think it would be impossible for something like that to have happened. But uh, but yeah, I could definitely see them whipping out like a, a she's a, she loves you or. But something. I mean, as the opening uh, track, if they get, if you see them go. Oh yeah, they come out and then and then you know here <laughs> yeah. you know Ringo with those drums, I could just see the crowd going crazy with that song. My favorite Beatles song, and it's now revealed on my new. Uh, That's right. New top ten. That's right. Oh. Okay, uh, anybody chime in? I don't. If you have an answer, chime in. I don't want to. Okay, I got one. Okay, whoever. Uh, who wants to go? Ken, go ahead. Okay, the perfect song. Get back. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Get back to where you once belonged. Right. You know, Impressive. it just seems like uh, you know that would be a perfect song message-wise. Mm -hmm. Gets everybody pumped, everybody going in the crowd. I would use "Get Back" to open with. Mm, very nice. Very nice. Okay, uh, Picture this. <laughs> <laughs> the opening chord of a hard day's night mm. and they all come out yeah. and go into it yeah, and yeah, yeah. the crowd cool. goes wild <laughs> yeah i think you know when i was thinking of mine i guess i'm cheating in a way because i'm thinking of paul mccartney concerts that i've liked and i always love when paul started with uh magical mystery tour i don't know why i think that's such a great opener uh i like to see magical mystery tour opener all I right. also liked it when he did Hello Goodbye as an opener. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's always, yeah, that's always <laughs> a good opener. I don't like, from Paul, I don't really like A Hard Day's Night as an opener. I'm sticking with that lately. Okay, yep. fair enough. Fair enough. I wish okay, he'd open went... his concerts with solo songs. No, <laughs> he yeah, hasn't right. done it. He hasn't done it since Figure of Eight, so, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, v was Venus and Mars going into Rock Show? Oh, that was, and oh, Jet? Yes. That yeah. and Jet, that was the Venus best. Venus and Mars. Definitely. Perfect. Great perfect opening. Concert opener. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, kid. You want to give us one more audience, and then we'll call it a day. Okay. I'm I'm quickly scrolling through here, so give me <laughs> give me a minute. <laughs> the, the, you got a uh, second. Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> it's it's hard to go uh, go through these, so uh, hang on, hang on. They're uh, let's see here. Hang on. They're they're. Uh, coming in fast and furiously and some of them oh, wow. are just comments here so uh let's see all right guys one more shot if you want to send in a question so uh, we're just about to end so if you have one more question for us uh please send it in now so let's okay see. well while, while you're looking why don't you give everybody uh the, the talk more talk con contact information then. Absolutely. You can reach us, of course, on our Facebook page. You can also uh, reach us on Twitter at um, TalkMoreTalk1. You can also email at uh, TalkMoreSoloTalk at gmail.com. Um, we love, of course, to hear your We 
definitely welcome any suggestions if you have a particular uh, idea we've used them sometimes so we definitely welcome any of the any of your thoughts um, and uh, you of course can find us on YouTube please uh, subscribe to our channel uh, you can also uh, find us on virtually any podcasting platform you can possibly possibly <laughs> think of um, and so uh, you know you can find us there um, and uh, and oh, there's some questions coming in here. So All right. <laughs> there we go. And uh, so you can find us on any of those. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and uh, you know, subscribe, subscribe. Tell subscribe. your enemies. And tell your enemies. <laughs> tell everybody. Okay. Let's see. Uh, okay. Let's. Oh my goodness, they're coming in. All right. We'll take one more here. Um, what Paul archive box would we like to see next? Yeah. Well, you know, for me, uh, it's, 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 I think it's gotta be uh, the London town back to the egg combo. I think that would just be a great way to, uh, to end the, the seventies and the, and the wings period. There's so much, you know, great material um, that, uh, happened in between those two those two albums and then you can also package it like you did with the wildlife and and red rose speedway item mean, you can do like a 79 to you know i mean like 77 to 79 uh wings box set with with some live wings material in there as well like they did with uh that the, the 70 71 to 73 era uh box set so that would be my choice and i think that would you know be a great way to uh to end uh, you know, the seventies, you know, to, for a big box. However, if we're all complaining now about the price, just wait until we get both of those box sets together and we have to uh, pay for both of them. You know, just think about that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm dying just for back to the egg. I, I mm -hmm. mean, I, I don't even, combined but i mean that'd be a nice bonus though i mean that's kind of uh interesting but i i would i mean back to the egg i've been dying for forever yeah. so i cannot wait i i mean i was we just need an official release of water sprout that's what we need that's right exactly <laughs> <laughs> there you go and yeah i'd love to see yeah cold cuts where's cold cuts so absolutely so well, I, you know, yep. I got to tell you, I, I have to say, I think what I could really go for is another big deluxe edition archive set of Egypt Station. <laughs> With one new Not song. Not really, I'm just kidding. With <laughs> one new song. I'm, kind of, I'm still Egypt Station now for the last two years. The trunk um, no, edition. I, I, <laughs> right? The back to the egg. The uh, Cadillac uh, edition. Uh, <laughs> I would like to, I mean... When you say about, uh, you know, London Town and Back to the Egg, great. But if I could have one, it's Back to the Egg. It's a personal favorite album of mine. I was really hoping, because the rumors were strong that we were going to be getting Back to the Egg at London Town this time. I love Flaming Pie. Glad to have it. I just think I, think I would have liked to finish the 70s first. But, hey, you know, as long as we get them, that's the main thing. So yeah, Back yeah. to the Egg. There you go. Ken? For me, one of the fun things about this whole archive collection is that Paul's not doing everything chronologically and in the way yeah. that you would expect him to. So you don't know what's coming next. Um, logically, it would make sense to have London Town and Back to the Egg. Um, I have no problem if that's the next two, and there's so much you can do with those two. 
especially Absolutely. with Act to the Egg, if you know everything that happened around that time with the rehearsals, the Rockester rehearsals, the Back yep. to the Egg TV special, mm. the, uh, the uh, Glasgow concert you can put on there. There's so much you can include on it. Um, but in my heart of hearts, since you know that I'm a big press to play fan, I want that to be the next one because you talked about Waterspout, Tom. Yeah. There's, there's a whole album there of music from the sessions that he did with Phil Ramon. Yeah. That haven't come out. Right. You know, there's so much that he did in that period around Press to Play through Flowers in the Dirt. You know, some of those songs ended up as bonus tracks, like with Flaming Pie, Same Love, yeah. a song like that. Oh, so, same um, love. Oh. that's it. What? You... Oh, it's a great song. <laughs> oh, okay, good. You went off. I didn't, I didn't know how, what exactly you meant by that. Same oh. Love is one of my favorite. Beautiful. Nicky Hopkins, you know, piano playing in there. Yeah, I think it's one of his best love songs, period, yeah. you know, and he tosses it off. <laughs> it's a bonus yeah. track on one of his CD singles. Yeah. But um, yeah, so press to play because there'd be so much material. I know that despite the fact that I don't feel that way, I love the 80s sound. I love the 80s production. I know a lot of fans would like to hear press to play without it more stripped down, more right. probably what Eric Stewart had in mind instead of what Hugh Padgham had in mind. So you could have an alternate press to play to go with right. the version that came out. An official, so release of, an official release of Yvonne would be great as well. Mm, yeah, that's, that's, a good that's also good another one, kind of like Water Spout. Right. I, I'll never understand why Yvonne was not released on, on press to play. Yeah. But um, it was my choice, it would be press to play. But I have no problem with London Town and Back to the Egg. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, that's another uh, chapter on this uh, this bad boy. We've got, well, I've got plenty of questions here. We can do this again in a, maybe oh, a couple months. So let's just say, let's just call this yeah. part one of racking our brains, if you will. And we'll look forward to doing uh, this again. So why don't we, uh, we'll, we'll do our round table here of goodbyes and what we got coming up. And, and Joe, let's start with you. Oh, I just have my channel on YouTube called Mean Mr. Mayo, and I'm hoping that my interview that I did with, uh, well, Ethan Alexanian interviewing me for Fans on the Run is going to be coming up soon. Uh, he's got a channel, too, on YouTube now, right? He, yes. Video, yep. He's interviewed a lot of people, and um, I did an interview with him, the, I think, the end of June. And that should July be July 17th, up. I think yours is coming up. I think it's coming up. So. Yep. Coming up. Flower. Yep. Watch, watch that. Otherwise, subscribe to my channel and you never know what you're going to see. Fiddle <laughs> right. Tool, what's going on in your world? Uh, well, I uh, just recorded an episode of uh, our uh, buddy uh, Ed Chen and Lonnie Pena's show, When They Was Fab. We talked about Ringo's birthday show. So it was mm -hmm. really fun. Uh, talked all about uh, our favorite things and some of the uh, more interesting moments like uh, Joe Walsh's performance of Boys and, uh, and many <laughs> other things. So that should be going up fairly soon. And uh, so you can... Uh, as always, uh, check out my Facebook page, my website, kiddotool.com, and um, I'm on Twitter at kiddotool. Um, I will be posting all information about when my um, latest uh, podcast appearances will be coming up, and I'm finally working on getting my column, my Deep Beatles column, restarted. So, um, you know, I'm sorry I've been away for so long, but uh, I think I speak for everybody when I say that this, this year's been really wacky so 
<laughs> so, but uh, but I am getting it restarted. So uh, so I, I, you know, as I said, just follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and my website, and I will let you know when that will resume as well. Great. And are you going to be live again here soon? Yes, I will be doing that. Um, again, I'm just uh, follow me on Facebook, and I'll let you know. But okay. yes, I'll be doing a live show pretty soon. Awesome. Week. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, we look forward to all of that. Yeah. So that's great. So in the uh, the two legs world, uh, hopefully we got a minute here <laughs> to talk about this because we've got a lot of things going on. But uh, our last two shows are up. Uh, we did we did an interview with uh, Dale Pants. He runs the Club Sandwich Facebook page, and uh, he was on to talk about that fanzine, which is amazing. Uh, he was very knowledgeable about the topic, and uh, we had a lot of fun, and I learned a lot because I was you know, up until a couple of years ago, I, I really didn't know much about Club Sandwich. So we thank him. We also did a uh, Renew 3, Add 3 uh, show with, uh, with a couple friends. That was a lot of fun. We did Egypt Station. We took three songs off and we added three of the bonus tracks that we that we got throughout the following year. So that was a lot of fun. Um, yesterday, we had a wonderful guest. We entered the uh, avant-garde, finally, of, of Paul McCartney. We had a wonderful author, Ian Peel, talking about his book, The Unknown Paul McCartney. And uh, that should be up tomorrow, uh, hopefully, or Wednesdays. So that's what's going on. You can find us on YouTube as well, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. You can check that out and please subscribe. Uh, and email us at twolegspodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot more coming up, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, Ken mm. Michaels, what's up with you? May I just say one thing about your Two Legs podcast? Yes. <laughs> um, I wish I had more time to watch all of them. But the show you did on, on Egypt Station, Take Three Out, Put Three In, yeah. the best show I've seen oh, wow. you guys do. Thank you. I mean, you had a great combination there, not only with Andy Nichols. Dylan is phenomenal. Yeah. I love his mm -hmm. insights. Your cousin, yeah. it's the first time I ever saw him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It was, and it was he, a shock when he texted me and <laughs> said, hey, can I come on? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And of course, uh, Sam from the Paul yeah. Nothing. You, you know, all the stuff you're talking about with Flaming Pie is fascinating to get your points of view. So many contrasting points of view. And yeah. I love that. It was really just the, the best one you Thank know, you. I've seen yet. Really great Thank job you. there. I appreciate and that. Yeah. As far as Ethan Alexanian, we have all invaded his show. <laughs> so if you go to his YouTube channel, he's interviewed each of us, including Ken Womack. Yep. You know, who, by the way, couldn't be with us this uh, time. Yes. But he's going to he's going to be on our next three shows. Yep. Yes. Just so you guys know that. Um, if any of you want to get in touch with me directly, I do have an email address, everylittlething at att.net. Um, I have a new Every Little Thing show for my syndicated show, which will be premiering next week. It's a full hour of songs, Beatles, and solo with men's names in the song titles. It's all uh, men, okay? Mm. It's a guy thing next week <laughs> on Every Little Thing. All right. Um, on my website, kenmichaelsradio.com, the Beatles Trivia and Games page. As I said, starting next week, I'm giving away the new Blu-ray for an accidental studio. And keep in mind, I'm still giving away the new eBooks for Eight Arms to Hold You from Chip Manninger and Mark Easter, who hopefully will be on our next show in a couple of weeks to talk about that book. Um, also, uh, the new DVD or Blu-ray for That'll Be the Day. You can win on, yeah, just right there. And we'll be talking about that and probably an accidental studio a bit more in depth in a future show. Um, I just did an interview with Dave Morrell. I think you mentioned him in the last show, Kit. Yes. Dave, mm -hmm. Dave is a longtime Beatle fan. 
Um, he is a big Beatle collector and he has spent his whole career uh, working as a promo guy at record companies. He worked at Warner Brothers and Arista and throughout the 80s he worked at Capitol Records and he just released a new book. He has a series of books by the way. It's his autobiography and this is volume four called Run Out Groove Inside Capitol's 1980s Hits and Stits. So oh, wow. he talks about working on Press to Play, Flowers mm. in the Dirt, the Beatles albums, like Real Music and 20 Greatest Hits, mm. the Lennon uh, albums in there, Men Love Avenue, Live in New York City. There's a few things said about that in the book. And so I did an interview with him, which will be appearing on my website on interviews page four. That's coming up Thursday or Friday this week. Tomorrow, we're interviewing Dave on things we said today. <laughs> so nice. it's going to be Darren, nice. Darren DeVivo and Alan Cozen and myself talking with Dave and the great thing about all these interviews is that there's always so many questions that I ask on my own that are not in the podcast show of things we said today. So if you like what you hear from Dave and he can talk a mile a minute on the Beatles and his love and his passion on the Beatles, then you'll definitely get a big kick out of my interview with him as well. So uh, the things we said today podcast will be coming out usually Thursday or Friday this week. Excellent. Look so to plenty it. of Dave Morrell to go around, you know? And um, I do believe that is everything. All right. You're going to have a new question tonight for us? It's already up. It's already up? Oh, great. It's on the website, and it's uh, George Harrison related. Oh, Beatles cool. question. All right. Very cool. com. Awesome. I look forward to that, and I'll check that out after uh, we're done here. So, again, thank you, everybody, for joining us. It's been a blast. I can't tell you how much, I can't tell you enough how much we really appreciate everybody being here, you know, yeah. week in, week out, uh, yeah. making your comments on our YouTube channel, you know, emailing us. We really appreciate all the comments. Keep them coming, and uh, we can't thank you enough. So, as always, for me, Mr. Mayo, the Queen, Kid O'Toole, Ken Michaels, <laughs> I'm Tom Hanyadi saying, all we can say is la di da. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>